Hello, everybody. Welcome to Saluki Innovation Podcast. My name is Tristan Workman. I am the host of this podcast. I'm a marketing student here at SIU and also the president of the Saluki Entrepreneur Corps, which is a registered student organization that helps students get involved and grow their interest in any entrepreneurial endeavors they have right now or in the future. This is a podcast that focuses on anybody in the Southern Illinois community that is onto big ideas, are working on research, maybe you're an entrepreneur, you just started a new business, you've been in business for a while. Anybody that has anything worth talking about, whether you are faculty staff, a student, alumni, entrepreneur in the community, a researcher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you have anything worth talking about, we want to hear about it and we want to share your story with others. This is a podcast that is sponsored and put on by Research Park and the Dunn-Richmond Economic Development Center. And the Dunn-Richmond Economic Development Center is host of a lot of different businesses and different organizations that help businesses out of here. The main one being the Small Business Development Center, which is a team of consultants that help with all of your business needs from market research to uh, 3D rendering on inventions to business planning. If you have an idea, if you're working on a business, you've been in business for a while, you're a freelancer, you're a consultant, take advantage of this and sign up as a client for the Small Business Development Center. It is federally funded by the Small Business Administration, so it is of no cost to you, and the consultants here have decades of research, and they are just true gurus in, uh, in the world of business right now. So without any further ado, uh, this week's podcast was a bit of a long time coming. I've been working on this quite extensively, just learning a lot about production quality and um, Adobe After Effects, Adobe Premiere Pro. I have to learn all of that, so I'm sorry about the wait for anybody that's been waiting for this. Um, this week was Jeremy Packer, who is the CTO of Lineup Media Group and the CEO of a consulting group called Packer Labs. And there is also Matt Jackson, who is the CEO of Altman Gaming Championship. These guys were phenomenal. I could have talked to them for hours. They're just a wealth of business knowledge and they're grinders to say the least. Um, it was just a lot of fun and I hope everybody enjoys this as much as I enjoyed uh, making it for you guys. So just sit back and um, have fun. Matt, are you there? Yep. Hey, Tristan. Hey, hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Hey, what's going on, man? Nice for you to join us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great meeting you. I, I appreciate you guys both signing up to do this and both SAE grads, which is, which is great. Yes. So, uh, yeah, for context, anybody listening to this in the future, go ahead and just both of you can tell us like who you are, what you have working on and like a few of your credentials, maybe when you went to school at SIU, like what year you graduated. Sure. Let me go first, JP. Yeah, go first. Cool. Uh, my name is Matt Jackson. I am from Ducoin. I grew up in Ducoin, so local to SIU Carbondale. Um, very fortunate to have it, the university so close. Uh, I went to school at SIU from 2006 to 2011, in which case I got my bachelor's and master's in architecture. 
after that, I went on to teach architecture at Rinlight College, um, also some manufacturing and digital fabrication stuff. So 3D printing, CNC machining. Um, I'm, that's kind of my passion project is making stuff. So uh, I enjoy that. 2016, um, we land our seed capital for UGC, go full time, expand the business to eight full time employees. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you want me to jump into UGC, I can, but then we'll be here for at least another 30 minutes. So JP, if you want to give your uh, background. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and then we'll hop right back into UGC. Um, so my name is Jeremy Packer. Uh, I was born in Metrop or I was raised in Metropolis, Illinois. Um, went to school in Carbondale. Uh, I graduated in 2015 from the Department of Computer Science. And after that, I helped co-found an app called RapChat, which landed me in Silicon Valley at the 500 Startups Accelerator Program. Uh, where we raised venture capital money for RapChat, and I led engineering efforts for the past two and a half years with them, uh, scaling to 150 countries with over, I think, 9 million downloads right now, um, with about half a million people using it still monthly. Um, by the way, check out RapChat Gold. It just launched last week. It's awesome. And a song um, mentioned by uh, Young Thug. Absolutely. Yeah, mention yeah. that. Gotta, gotta put that one in there. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Ooh. I'm also the founder of Packer Labs. Uh, we had a business presence in the, the Southern Illinois Research Park uh, for a couple of years, and we're actually working with them currently to get us back in there by 2021. So for all of your integrated software solutions, check out PackerLabs.com. Cool. Sounds good. So how did, how did you two meet? Did you guys know each other back in school or was it just kind of like mutual friendship? You guys both found out you went to SIUC and started working together. That can unfold in the whole story of UGC. Um, yeah. Okay. It's magic. Go ahead. Get into it, man. No, in 2005, uh, I was 19 years old and like any esports enthusiast, we all start in our parents' basement or some kind of small room that's overheated with too many people. Right. Um, you started in the attic from what I've read online, right? Yeah. So um, we were landing up in my parents' basement, had a lot of people coming. I was like, this is cool. Let's have a, another place to set up gaming and, and just chill. So we um, got permission to activate this uh, attic space above a restaurant in DuCoin. It was like 25 feet by 25 feet start hosting Halo 2 tournaments um, and people are just coming from left and right, including coming from Metropolis. And so I meet this 14 year old kid named Jeremy uh, coming <laughs> to tournaments and uh, he's actually pretty good. And we ended right. up sponsoring him and taking him to a pro Halo tournament in Chicago at the time. And that's when I was going through um, grad school. So, you know, really I didn't push the company that much in 2010 we rebranded from the Game Attic to Ultimate Gaming Championship or UGC because we didn't want to be isolated to one location. Um, and that was really whenever we started moving it around. When I say move it around, we went to the Skate Zone in DuCoin. We went to the American Legion and been there, been yeah. there a bunch of times. Yeah, they had the lockdown uh, at night where everybody yeah. stays in. Yeah, been to a few of those. Did you get married there? You could get married. Like I was with the uh, middle school girlfriend at the time, so it wasn't marriage yet, but like we felt like it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's been a wild ride because there's so many elements that I didn't know to anticipate going through this. You know, like as you scale, I remember going to the skate zone in 2008 to set up this event, and the place didn't have enough power for what we were trying to set up. 
you know, really? it's little things like that. As you said, at more consoles at that time, it was tube TVs. Um, and we actually were branded as the Illinois gaming circuit, but then the next year was like, no, we have to do something that doesn't keep us confined um, to any space. And so in 2014, um, I was actually fortunate enough. I was pursuing a sponsor uh, named Mind Nutrition. Uh, they were in the they were out of the UK, and so I'm trying to do this event at Rin Lake College, trying to get five thousand dollars worth of prize money, some better equipment. And so I messaged this company, and they respond with, "Hey, we want to talk to you because we want to invest in an esports company." And I'm like, "Interesting." So I'm um, getting a call. Flash forward, I've somehow convinced. Um, John Beebe from the UK, if he ever hears this, shout out to him. He's a very smart dude, uh, to, to move to Ducoin from London and stay here for two years. And How'd you swing that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's talking. It's like, dude, we have all the trees. Like we got trees. We got a yeah. trees, like several cars here. Sometimes you see a horse. I don't know. Sometimes you see one parked in someone's front yard that like doesn't work at all, but right. yeah, bro, we got it. Yeah, I mean, it was really chill. He was a he was a grinder. You know, he was an entrepreneur himself. Uh, it was a lot of great nights where we were figuring out how to broadcast, um, running Blackmagic ATEM software. A lot of the elements of the company, you know, I started by learning it. And then now, thankfully, we have so many people that are way better at it than me. But, you know, you have to kind of, as an entrepreneur, you got to step into things when they come at you. And so working with him from 2014 to 16, um, UGC knew we couldn't just live off of our live events. Like what happens between those live events and we can't do them every weekend. So we really wanted to push content. Right. And so um, we thought we could connect with our fans week to week content and then land these bigger um, event gigs with like Microsoft or Caesars and, uh, and kind of balance out how the business works. So we actually had uh, Clint uh, Maven Evans, which is now one of the number one Call of Duty uh, World League casters and Scott Lucier, which was a former Halo 2 pro, uh, moved to DuCoin as well. And they lived in DuCoin for, I think, around eight months. Slept one on thing, to, What's one thing to mention about that, too, is that anyone who played Halo 2, if you're familiar with the quote-unquote Gandhi hop, we had Gandhi living in DuCoin, Illinois. Oh, yeah. really? That's is this like deal. a famous player? Sorry, I didn't play too much Halo. I was... Yeah, I mean, he? He, was a, he was a champ. I mean, he was an MLG champion in Halo 2. Um, as JP said, there's this move you can do in Halo that they figured out that if you jump and crouch, it makes you hover a little bit longer. I've like seen this before, yeah. Okay, I didn't know the terminology was Gandhi Hop and that he was living in DeCoin. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you're in the Halo community, it's a very cool deal. I had people come by DuCoin and, like, open the door and, like, stare at him for a little bit. But <laughs> seriously, um, in terms of esports at large you know he's just a, a big community figure in his games he now works at high-res studios um and has developed a rogue company i believe it's a new launch of, that they just mm -hmm. out and so right. I, I expect to see some cool esports stuff from that but anyways with maven and, and scott um they lived here for eight months and we got to a point where we were helping them eat you know but that right. was about it and they got offered um jobs at a game developer and at mlg then ultimately Activision uh, to commentate over Call of Duty, which is what UGC was doing at the time is we were running Call of Duty um, pro matches every night and they were casting them. And we would get 1,000, 2,000 viewers every night. These guys were great on camera, very off the cuff. And, but they had to go. I mean, they, they had kind of earned their credibility, I think, in esports to the point that they got that career um, opportunity. And 
I was happy for them, but I, I mean, we did, we were affected from a content creation standpoint right. at that point. So uh, we landed our first Microsoft partnered event in 2015, and that was Halo 2 anniversary on Master Chief Collection. And um, that was a $25,000 prize pool at the Hilton next to the St. Louis airport. And it was, um, again, something that I tend to do, which is bite off more than we can chew. And right. so I'm pretty sure I went four days without sleeping. It was insane. We had um, we actually sold out uh, at 96 team passes, which was one of the largest events that Microsoft, since they acquired it from Bungie, um, had had, especially at the time. So we made it through it. It was a, a great experience, and we've gotten much better at it since then. And then, like right. 2016, um, I was searching for real capital. I mean, um, my business partner from London, he had kind of lost interest in the esports space, uh, really talented in music and entertainment, had some connections for merchandising. And so um, and so he went that direction. I was looking for a new partner. And that's whenever I pitched uh, Jeff Cooper in Edwardsville, who has Lineup Media Group and Atomic 47, which is what uh, Jeremy helps at the technical side on both sides um, right. of the company. And, um, and was Jeremy already working there at the time? No, he was not. He is, he is somebody that I would call about every other month and go, yo, JP, I want to build this online technology platform. I've got some ideas. I need help. Yeah. He'd be like, man, I can't. I'm out here grinding in Silicon Valley, <laughs> you know, just doing my big stuff. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, but then it worked out. At one point in time, we had hired a – the company expanded to four business verticals. We had our live events. We started content creation again. Um, we have a merchandising arm where we produce gaming jerseys and whatnot. And then we have our technology. We had hired a international dev team to manage our tech and build it out. And it just was not coming along well. Um, we had some barriers on how they were operating the time of day and different things. And so I called JP one day and he's like, this might be a perfect time. And I think it was yeah. a couple weeks later, he was driving to Edwardsville and uh, we we're getting it set up. But uh, So it was inevitable that it was gonna happen. Had to, yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have kind of a selfish question that I want to ask because I know, Jeremy, just from listening to you talk and kind of creeping on your social media, you struggled at, and correct me if I'm wrong, but at the time when you were in college and working on different projects that you're working on, you, you kind of seemed like you struggled, like necessarily balancing that with academics and people trying to push you in a different direction. I'm just wondering how exactly did you balance that and like what would you do differently back in a college setting? Yeah, I think my main issue was just taking on too much. Yeah. I also think not having proper mental health back then. You know, I think people get stressed out really quick in college and you don't really, at that time, it was definitely like you don't talk about it. Um, yeah, nobody talks about the quarter life crisis. No, it's a real thing. Absolutely. Um, I mean, not to mention, like, I went through computer science, which was just very challenging. And also trying to start a business that I was willing to drop out of school for, you yeah. know, like, which failed miserably. Like, it would have been an awful idea. Anyone listening, don't do a get your degree. Like, yeah, you know, you have to have a foundation before anything. Um, so if I would have done anything differently, I would have put school first and then I would have probably focused, you know, things on the side, you know, it's, it's easier to work on your 
own hustle than it is to you know fill out an assignment that you have no interest in yeah oh my god dude yeah you're preaching to the choir yeah i think man you you struggled with this but i think you were like a valedictorian or something me yeah no oh (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate it though uh i mean yeah it was i mean i was in the architecture department so it it was kind of different but um i was not valedictorian i wish you can go ahead and put that in there, Tristan, if you want to. Just say, you know, yeah, for sure. Of course, nobody's going to question you on it. Like, right. you're the CEO, dude. Right, exactly. Of course. <laughs> it makes so, sense. when you're in the architecture department, do you do you like? Are you telling anybody like, oh, I got this side project going on, and it's it's getting big, man. Like, it's it's gaming. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was. I was there from 2006 to 2011. Um, made some great friends that knew I kind of did this weird side gaming thing. I mean. It's, it's interesting because esports at that time was truly an emerging industry. Like, right. you tell somebody, I'm setting up video game tournaments. They're like, what? Um, it Dude, is- you're talking about live streaming back in, what, 08? Um, I think, no, I don't think Twitch. When did Justin TV launch, JP? I think it was after. I think 2011, maybe. Yeah. yeah at least that's when so it this started was, picking stem, like, This was steam. pre-YouTube, pre-streaming, pre Right. Like, we were using MySpace to set up tournament pages so that people could come and register. So, um, you know, it, it was a truly crazy experience to organically find like that emerging industry because I found it by interest and then it grew into something that is like now a career path. And now people, right. it went from my grandparents going, you've got an architecture degree. What are you doing? To then bringing me like the New York Times with big esports on the front of right. it. Look, look you were, it was, this was something, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I did tell my friends what I was doing. They were all supportive. I had this kind of weird mindset that I was like, I'm going to get my architecture degree. I've got it in the, in the books. I learned a lot of valuable skills like CNC manufacturing, AutoCAD, 3D modeling. These are things that I use in UGC. Like when we plan an event with Microsoft, I'm in CAD. I'm 3D modeling spaces. The people at Microsoft are like, why are you, how do you like, I've never been yeah. a meeting with the CEO that opens up AutoCAD and like, oh, let me whip this up real quick, you know? Yeah. But um, so it's been incredibly valuable. But I knew when I was in school, I was like, I'm going to go teach at Rin Lake Architecture. That program was great to me as a, as a junior college to get me prepared. Um, I taught uh, cross country and track uh, there. I ran, ran for them whenever I was there. And it was just kind of a nice, easy uh, stepping stone, if you will, back into a uh, career path. But I knew with that job, I could also in the evenings focus on building the business. Right. And um, I just told my friends, I was like, I'm going to work at Rin Lake and then I'm going to blow my, my gaming company up. And that's, I'm going to do that full time eventually. And it took six years, but uh, finally right. got it. And so like me and Jeremy were just talking about this before you got on, like you have kids getting scholarships at universities now, yeah. which is, I'd, I'd never first all that happening like where do you where do you go in the future what's next for for esports and gaming i mean it's already kind of i think at a spot that it will be but it's just going to scale at this right. point you know high schools are going to adopt esports relatively quick now i mean we've been watching the scholastic market for probably three years and three years ago i'm like i'm not going to go into a school and fight an athletic director or a principal to try to get their kids to play video games I'm going to yeah. wait until the mindset is, okay, this is something we need to embrace. 
the time is now. So we're going to see yeah. a massive scale of everything. And you have millennials stepping up in like high value positions. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the scale that. of users are going to be insane. There's going to be more scholarships. It's going to be a standardized thing. We'll start seeing laws and different media regulations. All yeah. of, it's going to follow the sports model. The only difference is there are so many more data points and metrics you can extract out of esports than traditional sports. So I'm, I'm a big sports fan. I love basketball and watching it. So it's not an esports versus sports deal. But if you think about um, playing in a virtual world and what that means as far as like entertainment and, and digital statistics, it's pretty fascinating. Um, and, you know, VR is something that's going to step into it. I had a call with a college this morning that has a Beat Saber team. JP, a beat sa like so, like they're just you know, and I never thought about VR beat savers, so I don't know how we inter intertwine that with our platform, but uh, we need to to consider it. But yeah, it's where will it go? I think the next thing we'll see is some real um, economic and monetization strategies with pro teams because that market is yeah. still very volatile right now. Esports in general is full of a bunch of companies that are landing these insane investments off of um, an idea and what and at UGC what we've done is we have built our product to make money and be a business and um, really you know I, I was listening to this interview from uh, Jeff Bezos and he was like don't raise money until you have to and I think UGC has kind of been that point like I did as much as I could for free I remember one night I was sitting up in my uh, studio warehouse and I it was dark I didn't have capital and I was like I'm gonna have to stop doing this if I don't get it, you know, and I gave myself till I was 30. I swear a month before I turned 30 in, in July of 2016, we got invested. And I'm like, that's it. To the moon. Yeah. <laughs> so. Jeremy, you have anything to add? No. I mean, I think <clears throat> it's a prime example. You yeah. Know? Like it's raising capital and getting to that point, like you have to wait for it. And like right now we're at the point where we have scaled so much and in terms of where we're heading, like when you asked me what the future of esports was just then, I immediately was like, let's pull out our roadmap because we're building it. Yeah. Yeah. That is um, true. It is kind of untapped territory. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, that's a good point, JP. It's interesting yeah. because with the pandemic hitting this year, see UGC had kind of done the live events okay, we can serve more people with content. Okay, we can access more people with a digital platform because everything gaming is digital. So if we could get our tournaments in a digital ecosystem, but still provide the same experience that we provide at the live events. Because um, I don't know if anybody's seen our live events or if you checked out pictures or anything, but it's not just a room with video games anymore. It's right. LED walls, projectors, intelligence. It's, it's entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so we just take that experience. We want to create it a live event setting. And we're trying to do that with our tech and our tech is so solid. It is, um, you know, you're not here to, to like say better or worse than anybody else, but like we have evaluated our tech and our features and you can tell there is a, um, attentiveness that we've had to this detail, understanding how the esports community needs to operate that like most people are using a chat system and Google Sheets, and we've got a notification system, an on-site chat system. We've got a patented match validation software that uses optical character recognition to scrub media files. So we're, we're extracting data points from pictures. Like yeah. Nobody is doing the stuff we're doing, and it's all built to scale and automate our process. So 
Um, I'm glad you said that, JP, because it's hard for me to see what the future is because we already have so many cool thoughts that we're trying to push that esports barrier that um, I just don't see a limit. I mean, you could, this is going to be everything. I think that eventually I'd love to see our platform have a 3D ecosystem. So you're almost walking into it and you can click and interact through it to see like there's the main stage, there's the featured stations because the pandemic has literally caused people to have to only operate online and yeah. we've been approached by the U.S. Army, the U.S. Navy, uh, American Heart Association, LG Electronics, Intel. I mean, one of the partnerships, the NFL and, and NASCAR. We're, we're having all these discussions with these companies and it's happened within the last three months. It's been yeah. insane. So um, Yeah, because this is probably nothing new to you guys. Like you guys are probably well prepared whenever everything went down, like. And these yeah. other guys are kind of like, what do, what do we do from here? Like, who should we call? We should, oh, we should call the gamers. Like, exactly. They've been doing oh, this yeah. forever. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's interesting because there are still people in the space. Um, several, I would deem them as our competitors, that their focus was building out more land centers or physical properties or more live events. And whenever I would talk to them pre-pandemic, I told them we had shifted focus to our technology for the last year and a half, two years. And then when that pandemic hit, you see them having to like go to another tech company to try to figure out how to host their tournaments. And you're right. We really just didn't even, we weren't affected other than we didn't plan uh, a live event this year. Yeah. We weren't affected. We kept operating. Yeah. We had to cancel two live events actually because of COVID, you know? Yeah. So I think the big thing too, you know, this year is that we switched kind of our focus from B2C to B2B in order okay. to build out our b2c business you know client acquisition like being able to bring on a big brand you know we'll use like the u.s army esports for instance like, we hosted 18 events for them just this year and yeah. or i think even 25 maybe it something but yeah. it was nationwide activations with you know a huge brand and yeah. in that we were able to bring on so many users to our platform that we still activate and so being able to use that B2B relationship to then convert those customers into our own that are still living on our ecosystem has been huge. Yeah. So, you know, so economically, did customer acquisition costs go down when you're targeting kind of like a bigger brand like this rather than going directly to the customer? You know, it varies, I think, yeah. in terms of marketing budget and what those companies are also assisting with. Right. You know, in the situations where the activation is happening on our site, you know, of course the user has to become activated on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it fits in with, you know, activation costs that way. Um, but at UGC, we're actually spending no money on paid ads right now. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think so, that's a product of like, you know, as a startup, you don't have just a plentiful amount of capital, you know? And right. so what UGC chose to do was focus on our capabilities and our products. Right. And um, in some cases, I've looked at myself in the mirror and been like, did I mess up? Should have I put a ton of money in marketing, get the brand to where it's got so many followers, so much of this. But um, to JP's point, by landing these partners, it's a real creative way to, also, to land a sponsor, make some money, and user acquisition because they're going to have to be entered into our digital ecosystem. I mean, the Scholastic space, we're looking at hundreds of thousands of users we could populate on this site and be interacting daily. Um, right. And we're seeing that model work. I'm not saying that if we didn't have some money for customer acquisition or marketing, 
we wouldn't use it. We certainly would. But um, at this point, it's a, it's a cool concept we're seeing unfold. Right. That's, that's kind of the dilemma when you start out, I guess, from what I've heard from a lot of entrepreneurs is like, do I, do I put money into marketing or do I keep focusing on building a product that's so good that it, people can't choose to ignore it? And I, I think that your marketing should never really be better than your product. I think that's the, that's the wrong way to go on that. It's a great point. Yeah. People down, you know, you see a great marketed thing with a cool video and you click right. it, and fill out my Google sheet to sign up for the tournament. It's like, no, I don't, that's not my experience, you know? Right. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into raising capital and Jeremy, how much, <laughs> how much uh, did you say that you guys were evaluated for? For UGC? Yeah. Um, Matt, do you want to? I mean, our evaluation pre-money is, is $30 million, post-money is $45 million. Awesome. Awesome. So how do you, do you guys struggle with kind of going into this create, create, create mode, like innovative things and to pitch your idea to someone and how do you kind of deal with the inevitable rejection of it? Yeah, um, it's tough. And I'm going to be yeah. honest with you, like the last, how long have I been fundraising, JP? It feels like the whole year. I know. Um, it's something that's new for me. It's something that, you know, I was a gearhead. Um, I was in there with, you know, the table saw, making the, the props and then going out. And I, certainly I would interact and do biz dev stuff with Microsoft, but it was all project based. Um, so I guess there's two parts. A, it's, it's an emerging industry. So it's already a challenge to educate people. Like when I go into a room and talk to someone, I take for granted that um, people don't understand what an online technology platform would be for esports, you know? And then there's also the case that everybody will say they have one. So now how do I explain to people that barely know what esports are, that these different variables and features are game changing to the space. Um, so the emerging industry element um, has made it a little difficult because there's also competitors that make noise in the space, you know, um, kind of like the dot-com boom, I would assume is like, you know, in that early stages, money's getting thrown left and right at anything that is a dot-com and then you right. pop and people lose money, people make great money. Um, and you can see that happening, but we've, our team is so good and like, our projects we've been doing this year are so amazing that when I go into a room and have to talk about UGC, it's so, it's easy. It's easy to, to tell them about the idea. And it's also easy. I'll say easy lightly to take a note because I know when I walk out that door, they are the ones that is going to read about this one day because I know the product we built is so good and not in an egotistical way. Um, I'm very thankful for the people I've pitched to and they've considered it in multiple meetings and then saying no, you know, you yeah. didn't have to find me there four times, but, um, <laughs> um, but it's also really nice for me because I like to develop myself and, you know, I feel like I've got it down when it comes to tinkering with, you know, electronics or building. But then like, this is a new realm where I have to kind of get myself ready right. and learn to relate. So uh, I'll tell you, it's so stressful, especially like in seeing what that capital could do for the company, because yeah. if you can infuse even, um, we're trying to raise 15 million. If we could even infuse a, infuse a couple million, um, our content arm, which is um, a 24-7 esports network, is what we want to build to, we could start that. But right now, we're kind of in this weird limbo spot where we're limping it along to see where it needs to go, get that proof of concept. Right. So has Jeremy, 
have you been kind of like a good resource kind of walking him through? Cause I know you did quite similar aspect with, uh, the rap chat. Yeah. You know, I think the level of fundraising from like being a technical person versus being a CEO, like we would get vastly different questions. Yeah. Um, I think that the one thing that's similar is the fact that we were both pitching an idea that a lot of people just did not understand. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's, you know, the trends though, is that when we were fundraising, like audio was like the next big thing in mobile, you know, it's like voice, voice, voice. You had Gary V that's like, that's going to be the next generation. Yeah. Um, so I've obviously building a top 50 audio app. We were in a good spot to do that. Yeah. You know, UGC with being around for, you know, 10 plus years, also being a name in esports with all of these big brands, we are in the place to do it. And right. it's, it's like esports is one of the biggest keywords and buzzwords that you'll see. You know? Yeah. That's, um, that's a good point. Just going from kind of one emerging market to the other. You know, I think at the end of the day, any business, like business is business, you know, and rejection is going to suck. But yeah. the, the thing is, and Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but as we've evolved the product over the past like six months during your fundraising, it's gotten a lot easier for you. Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, it's especially it's kind of interesting because of the pandemic. A lot of my meetings are like this, you know, where it's you just you're going into a video call similar to the, today and not knowing who I'm going to meet with, what they look like, really. You know, like there could be multiple people on the call. And so it's like every day I come into the office and I'm having to either discuss a partnership strategy with a brand or um, some kind of scholastic strategy or fundraise, but all of it revolves around me talking through our investment or corporate deck. So it's, it does become kind of second nature and easier. Um, I'll say from a JP perspective, having uh, him on our calls to walk through the technology component has been incredibly helpful. He shows like a level of knowledge and experience that I think that just adds a value to UGC. And um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, we have some good leads by the end of the year. I think we could was raise some capital, but I'll also say we might get cash flow positive before we need capital. And if we did that, then we become the esports unicorn, which is kind of our goal. So um, absolutely. Who knows? Nice. <clears throat> so what are, what are some of the other competitors in the esports arena and where do you really see yourself kind of differentiating? You talked about the technology so far. But what are, what are they doing differently compared to what you're doing? Um, there is one competitor called Nerd Street Gaming. They're out of the Philadelphia area. Nice dudes. They all come from sports marketing, or a lot of them do. And so they're very knowledgeable in, like, the entertainment and sports space. So um, uh, we've talked back and forth. They've given me some advice. They've helped me with some fundraising leads. So uh, it's, it's a competitor, but it's a happy competition. I guess I would say the uh, – the differentiator is their target was to truly do um, a land center type uh, franchise and do more of um, activating like St. Louis, Chicago, Columbus, LA with these actual physical locations and then have uh, like a pay hourly pay to come play. Also rent the space out for maybe high schools or colleges that need an esports arena. So I think the model there is um, interesting. I think it's a uh, I think that maybe lacks a little vision for kind of where, where things are going. But um, I also know I would love to go and have a place to, to do what we did back in 2005, you know, like with, yeah. with the land party. So um, 
it's uh they've they've stepped into some other stuff with content creation and they'll inevitably have to evolve their business model to technology i mean i think what differentiates us is we've been doing it for so long that you know we've seen some of these trends already and that's why we were kind of at the jump of the curve for uh, the tech development um so i think these companies are just starting later and once they figure out that okay we can have a physical presence but now we need a good digital presence and now we need to be able to serve a bigger market so my hope is that we are ahead of the curve, and um, but that would be one in the space. Um, there's UMG Gaming, which is, um, they actually were started in Alton, Illinois, so uh, around this area. They've yeah. been acquired three or four times. Uh, no longer, the founder's no longer with them. Um, and they develop content. Um, they have an online platform that has uh, fairly low activity. Uh, I, I sound like I'm just bragging on ourselves, but we just have been so forward thinking with yeah. what we're trying to do. Like somebody will develop an online platform and have four people playing in a tournament. And we're over here trying to figure out how there can be constantly something every hour of the day for every user to be doing. Um, and so I don't yeah. really see anybody positioned like we are. We're, we've been a very efficient team. We've done a lot with much less resources than any of those people I mentioned. Um, and I think that's what makes us valuable. You know, I think that's what makes us different. Yeah, I think with everything out on the internet right now, your attention can be pulled in so many different directions. I don't necessarily think there is such a thing as too much content, particularly for this kind of market that's emerging like this. Yeah, and so, what yeah. a lot of times when I talk through our business model, I'll go into our live event arm, our technology arm, our content arm, our merchandising arm, and the feedback I get is it sounds like you guys are just doing too much. You're yeah. doing, um, and to me, I see us doing one thing. That's esports. We do it live, digital. We create content. I don't see us doing too many things. I can understand how someone would um, maybe assume that, but again, I kind of reference uh, Jeff Bezos and Amazon. He talks about this with Amazon as well as when he was trying to raise and whenever he was talking to people about his business, they're like, "You're doing too much. Why not just sell books? Or why not just sell? Like, why are you trying to do?" all this right. stuff. It's like, I'm not doing too much. I'm doing e-commerce, you know? And so it's yeah. like, I see some parallels to, to these, these other industries that have emerged in those companies that actually really blow up. And, you know, I think that UGC and it's credit to our team for sure. Not, not me, but like the UGC at large, we've got the chops for like the next two years to do something crazy. Nice. Yeah. In I think it's esports infrastructure. Like yeah. that is the main thing because people don't realize what they need until they get into it. And a lot of the things we've seen about our competitors, they've raised a lot of money and they haven't done anything. Yeah. Like, that's the wild done. part. That's the hard part. Every day, that's the hard part to wake up and like see um, a new startup land a 15 or $12 million series A or whatever. And it's like, I mean, I know that there truly is, it's about who you know and, and who you get in front of. So I know that's a big element, but um, probably my biggest mental fight is just every day staying like believing, you know, believing that this product is something that's going to be uh, game changing because I have to see that stuff in the space. It's like, right. and it, there's all these like different emotions where you get like angry. You're like, we have to like do something that's going to just show them you know it's like there's all these things that run around your head um but i don't know i mean you guys would probably be more knowledgeable than me on this like 
how does an emerging industry fundraising and kind of capital raise go versus just like a, a traditional industry, you know, like, cause I think that people can land a lot of money. There's one per, uh, a company on the West coast that's raised $94 million. It's like, what? Well, like, and they do and to JP's point, I don't know what they're doing. Like they have a, a you know, a, a technology platform that is okay. You know, but I don't see like mediocre. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't understand how that much of a, a capital can be raised. So I guess to you guys and maybe JP, your experience. JP would be better suited for this than me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm like, I'm out of my element. But JP has told me before equity is gold. So like not giving that up in exchange and like just getting the money when you need it, I feel like is the better route for the long-term game. Yeah. I'm just wondering, so when is it, it's common in tech, it's common fundraising that element so is there any traditional markets let's just use i guess an online store i don't know jp but like are people in any investment space getting these crazy investments for i mean i would say selling air for the most part you know like are they getting these investments off an idea or is it because they have the esports flair tagged with the raise that they get like someone walks in and says i know esports is going to be big i'm going to throw a chunk at it i'm not going to do my diligence you know yeah, I mean, I think I've done, we're, so we're doing a competitive analysis right now on some eSport consultants in the space. And ironically, two of those people can hire us to manage their eSports operations. So we, it's very interesting to see how embedded we are in these spaces. But in terms of like non-traditional markets, you know, it goes back, like you rarely see a mom and pop store raising $5 million, yeah. you know, that stuff doesn't get news. It's, you know, to get on TechCrunch, it has to be tech. It has to be those big flares. But yeah. the one thing that I'm noticing, and I think I mentioned, I sent you a message at like three in the morning and I was like, we need to start using the participation metric versus a tournament metric, mm -hmm. you know? Cause when you have a huge site like that, that's hosting a hundred thousand tournaments a year and only 10% of them have five players that doesn't look any, you know, it's not good. Yeah. But when we have 97 participation rate in all of our tournaments, that's a metric that stands out. And I think that because esports is so new, the metrics that are out there are not valid. You know, like you have, I mean, I hate to say it, but you also have that Bitcoin effect when it comes to these buzzwords. You had to bring you up. Know. Oh, of course. <laughs> Bye now. Um, I know, <laughs> um, but I think like, it's just crazy because you wouldn't be able to raise that kind of money in a traditional space without having clear cash flow positive in the next two to five years, Yeah, you know? And it's like, if you look at a lot of these, you know, big founders who are raising money, you know, when I mentioned like equity is gold, why are they giving so much equity out in series A? You know, it's either they don't believe in it and they want that golden parachute or, you know, they're doubling down and like, it's, it's very hard, you know, especially, you... go ahead, JP. Oh, I'm just going to say it's very hard to like wake up and see competitors or people who weren't there three months ago, all of a sudden raise money because they have a quote unquote pedigree team from across industries and like, it's, there's nothing more arrogant than thinking that like throwing 
a group of power people is going to make the next unicorn mm-hmm. you know like teams don't work like that yeah so you know and I mean to that point and i have been doing this for so long like i have rented my equipment to umg to a, a company that was called iron gaming that came and went and and they raised money and they didn't make it and they were i've seen so many companies in esports show up try to do something that never makes sense to me and then is gone they're gone um that I think that maybe is what gets me through a little bit when I see these big investments is I'm just like, I think I maybe tell JP, I'm like, well, in two years, we'll see them in the esports graveyard. Like it'll, it'll just come and go. And it's funny because a lot of them are calling us to help them figure out what to do now. I, I've had people that have got investment call us and say, look, we want to get some Microsoft events. We want to program a live event. We want to do some content stuff. And I'm like, I want to fundraise. So like, but when you know, like, it's like, help me out and I'll help you out. But, um, it just shows kind of a testament to UGC's capabilities, I think, and our experiences, because we have like literally our competitors asking us to manage their online stuff, manage their live event stuff. And what they're really doing is giving us touch points for user acquisition. So uh, if they're going to fund it and pay for it, then we will, you know, we can, can uh, benefit from that. I think about like Shark Tank, and I'm sure like JP, you probably have people like, go on Shark Tank, go on Shark Tank. And when people say it to me, I kind of get like a, like a, because I'm like, I don't have the numbers. It's like, it's like <laughs> you know what they're going to ask already. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Your valuation. And it's like, you know, our valuation in, in UGC is based upon the emerging market. So like right. based upon the climate of investments. So the other investments going on are similar to what ours are. So if that value is being a market standard, then that's how we standardize our valuation. And then we have projections. We have projections about partners that we're working with in the scholastic space and how many how many schools they have access to that right. we get into and so we know we charge them x amount so we can do projections but in terms of like month on month revenue and our valuation of course it doesn't line up it's an emerging industry this is this is i mean i mean like if you look at the i don't think there is a correlation and correct me if i'm wrong between amount of money that a startup raises versus whether they're going to be successful 10 years down the road from now not at all yeah i I think the prime example in that is facebook's red book and if you've heard of it but it is a little red book that facebook gives all of their employees whenever they you know start facebook and it's basically like culture fit but it also has a lot of mantras that facebook has and one of yeah. the mantras in there that always sticks with me is to build the next Facebook before they do. Yeah. They're just thinking about how someone else is trying to put you out of business. Exactly. Right. You know? And I think those types of things are so important. You know, like if you have that focus where it's like, we're going to build a generational company like standard oil, for instance, you know, yeah. those companies that have been there for so long. Yeah. Like, will you know it really that depends on innovation you know yeah. and direction I, I think culture is the correlation i don't i don't think a lot of companies fail because of lack of resources i think most of them fail because of lack of resourcefulness which is a virtue it's not something that's tangible and i think you guys have that in spades that's great i, I like that yeah you need to quote that not that's tony robbins man that's that's oh, too many yeah. audiobooks yeah, you know right. yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to take credit for that one. <laughs> what fascinates me is, and I know this sounds so goofy, but I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw this 
electronic thing you mount to your a stud on your wall and then it's got two cables and you put a digital button in and you put the weight you want and then you've got a cable machine that's driven by computers putting pressure on the cables instead of heavy weights that you would typically be picking up and when i saw that i was like problems are being resolved with resources that were not accessible then and and then it also drove me to think again about a, an amazon quote is you know, Jeff Bezos talks about how he didn't have to invent the computer or the internet, you know, yeah. he's, like, he's like, thank God I didn't have to invent the computer or the internet because then I would have never got to Amazon. And I think what we're seeing with esports is we're kind of inventing that space. Like he was inventing e-commerce, but um, we didn't have to invent the game console or the internet. So how can we, and this is a Jeff Bezos kind of mantra, but it's, um, you know, how can we be the conduit for the next type of thing that could be the next type of thing, you know, how right. can we innovate um, and, and lead and create some element that adds so much value that it now becomes second nature, like the internet or even entertainment and sports or, or esports. I can see it becomes a fabric that is just part of what people do, you know, like what is the next step and what resources are needed to be created to do that. It's a, uh, yeah. I mean, like if you're talking about Jeff Bezos and you listen to all of his interviews, like he sounds like a broken record when he says customer obsession over and over again, but like, he does. yet he's the Michael Jordan of capitalism. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, that's a whole nother. <laughs> so you, you have all these books behind you. Like you got a bunch of I, Tim Ferriss, which I love. Yeah. And then good to great uh, persuasion is another one I see back oh, there. What, huh? You can read them. Wow. All right. Yeah. Good eyes. Like, yeah. 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 Um, but aesthetic for my it's, it's mainly the covers. I've read them before and I've recognized the covers, but the words are a little grainy. Yeah. Um, but, and then you talk about CEO interviews and kind of learning in that aspect. Like do you balance or do you have one that you like preferably for business more so than the other? Because, I've been watching a lot of CEO interviews lately and I'm just like constantly writing stuff down. It's just like a gold mine. If you listen to like Bill Gates and like Jeff yeah. Bezos talk about business for like two hours. And the crazy thing is, is like they have like what 2000 views on YouTube and a guy like Gary Vanderchuk or like Grant Cardone has like millions. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. is this, I mean, first of all, I, I think I would prefer to read a book, you know, like I read yeah. old and it was like really, eye-opening at the like about emerging markets um i think that it is great to listen to um these ceos like like you mentioned i find some of the social influencer kind of business um representatives to they were great but then now it's almost like i get it like i get yeah. it i can't effing stop i get it man like i gotta get my whatever like i gotta be hyper aggressive to you man you gotta get out there <laughs> grind like I understand the the motivation there. I guess for me personally, it did the trick for me. So now yeah. I'm ready for like something else, you know. For me, I am a diehard Gary Vee and Grant Cardone fan. I 10 x my life in 2018 and I am still going. So we'll talk about that. What is hard. what is 10xing your life look like? And I don't dislike Grant Cardone or, or Gary Vee. Right. No, don't get out you don't have to like come at me. No, 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 like no, the no. headlines gonna read CEO hates Gary Vee and Grant yeah, Cardone right. like <laughs> across the SAU newspaper company because of disagreement. <laughs> no, we're not gonna do any of that. What does 10x in your life look like, JP? Yeah, so I think honestly the main thing is like 
if you think about the amount of effort that you give out every single day, and if you imagine your competitors giving out more effort than you are, right? How would that make you feel? Like I got to pick up the slack, man. Exactly. Yeah. So, and every single day, whenever I realize it's like, I need to get to a certain metric or a certain part of my life, you know, like it, it sounds so crazy, but I used to like set goals and they used to be so attainable that I didn't realize how attainable they were, you know? Right. And then as soon as you start to develop success as a habit where it's like, you don't fail. And if you fail, you don't consider it a failure. It's a learning experience. Yeah. And like as that momentum grows, your the amount of capability that you have. So like I pack so much stuff into a day-to-day basis between working at LMG, at UGC, at Packer Labs, and then also startup consulting. Like I spend so much time every day having to just do more effort than a lot of other people. But yeah. in the results, I know that that effort is going to, going to result in a 10 X life. Like this is not wasted resource. Yeah. I prioritize what I put that energy into because I know it'll give results. Right. So So at what point do you, so you set the goal at what point do you just, do you, do you have a point where like I, for me, I set a goal but after I've set the goal, I don't necessarily think about the goal that much. I just put all the energy and focus into um, intention. Like what's the process? What's the, what's necessarily the system to set this up? Do you have like a similar approach or, or how are you setting goals and, and going about it? Um, so personally, I rely heavily on the law of attraction, <clears throat> you know, okay. put that out there. Like the universe is abundant and it has every opportunity that we need. And like, I can't tell you how many times we've had random contacts or opportunities come up within the day or a week of us talking or like when we were on a NASCAR call the other day and he was like, wow, this is amazing because earlier someone just brought up esports, you know, and it's that divine timing where opportunity meets that hard work that everything works out. And like in terms of goals, like, you know, we use OKRs lineup you know objective key results um and those are of course like business goals oriented at that where key results are kind of those many steps getting to that and so setting up big goals like that in terms of business are important but from like an internal personal standpoint you know where do you set that line as yourself because you know what's what you're capable of and it's not validating with your boss you know it's like what can I accomplish personally? You know? Yeah. And then, so usually I always think about it's like by the time that I set a goal, I'll 10 X that goal. Yeah. If it's money, if it's clients, if it's whatever it may be, you know, because even if you don't hit it, you're still better off than you were shooting at the first one. I mean, that's, that's mentally scary for, I think a lot of people. Um, like setting a goal that you think is attainable and then like 10 xing it like I would have some pause if I did that so is there any way that you're kind of coping with that are you journaling um, anything like that yeah so I have a 10x planner 
okay. um, which is like a Grant Cardone product. You know, I think I've bought Matt one too. It's um, and honestly, it's great from a, a structural standpoint. So like, I'm definitely not like the 10 X factor and in the process to it, I'm definitely not saying it's, it's not a thing. And thank you, JP, for structuring my life a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. I got the CEO mind. So I'm kind of like the guy that's like, you know, we can do anything. Let's fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm on, I'm the one on the ground building it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> How many times do I call you JP and I'm like, all right, listen, not tomorrow, <laughs> not like maybe even after quarter four, but what about this? And he's like, yeah. Okay. He's yeah. like, dude, baby steps. <laughs> um, but I think it's important, you know, like I also will say like the whole 10 X thing, it's exhausting. Like there are days where I can't do it. Like yeah. I don't want, you know, I have the Tim Ferriss books too. Like the tools of Titans, I think is complete oh. bullshit. You, you think know? it's complete bullshit? I think if you ask the CEO what their day-to-day operations were, of course, they're going to tell you their peak operation. You know, <laughs> they're going to be yeah. like, like, that's what I got out of that. It's like, okay, so every day you cook yourself a three course meal before you start, you're running your fortune 500 company. Right. Yeah. 630 in the morning. I go to the gym and work out for like three hours at 530. And then I go and run my fortune 500 company for eight hours a day. And then I come home and I kiss the kids and go to bed. Entrepreneurs are over here like reading this book. Like, yeah. How do you do do that? Like you can't, I mean, I get, I agree with you JP on, on the front. I do find, um, you know, it very interesting to read the different scenarios um, and the different elements across health and, and business and whatever else it may be. But I mean, from a level of inspiration, I think all you can extract from that is just hope that in some of those stories, um, I think one of them is like uh, the guys that started Netscape Navigator, maybe. I'm not sure, somewhere somewhere in there. But um, I think there are things you can extract that impress upon you. I also think that different influencers and in different books are what different people need. You know, me and JP are not the same person. We have um, a different upbringing. We went through different experiences. He has went to Silicon Valley. He has worked with some like big startup type um, systems. I'm a guy, I started in, in DuCoin. I was kind of determined to, uh, to try to bring something and keep something in this area. I'm still very passionate about innovation in rural America. And like, why can't this be the next Silicon Valley? Why does it have to go somewhere else? Um, and I'm kind of hard headed. And I also believe that human beings are brilliant and we can do anything and we just have to keep our mind um, determined and and goal focused. And there is small steps. And like JP said, if you shoot for the moon, if you don't get there, you might, you're still going to land somewhere better. I mean, there's a lot of UGC projects to where we've overextended so hard and we get done and our team's disappointed, but we look at the product and we're like, it's great. We just didn't do these replays. We didn't get this thing done. We didn't do this one tweet. Sure, we didn't hit all of our marks, but we still produced a great product. Um, and I certainly believe that you won't know unless you try. I think that's for me the biggest driver is like waking up every morning saying, you know, I'm not today's not my day. I feel like what I got a ton of rejection yesterday. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And then you just gotta look at yourself and go, I'm gonna keep shooting my shot. And you know, you keep shooting, one will go in. And I think. There's a little bit of, and the mental health element is something that's so hard as an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's like just, you're alone a lot. You know, you, I went from being at Rin Lake where I was around people every day, students teaching um, and interacting to then realizing when I went full-time UGC, there was a lot of days and nights that I'm not talking to anyone. I'm just working on something, you know? Yeah. And that kind of 
after a while you start looking at it and you go, do I have any friends? It's like, do I even have friends, you know? And yeah, I think the isolation is what really kills a lot of people because it is quite lonely. Yeah. When I get yeah. So do either one of you have any kind of quotes, really good books that you kind of live by, like that have like dramatically changed your life and kind of your perception of the world? Hmm. I know you, this is a very vague question. I mean, I could pull up some that I find uh, that, I, that I have resonated with me. I couldn't tell you um, – off the top of my head, those quotes that are my mod, my, 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 like, which, which I yeah. really do, but, um, you know, you know, I, yeah, I don't have anything smooth. Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up. JP, go ahead. Let's hear your quote. It's okay. all good, man. Yeah. Like before yeah, this, you're, me out. you're, you're going into a little bit of a Ted talk. So I thought I might carry it on, but it's cool. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, from my standpoint, like from the business side of things, the lean startup, you know, Eric Ries, like that was a game changing book for me. Um, I think. Now I have to look back at my list. I'm like, uh, I think Blitz Scaling. Blitz Scaling? Blitz Scaling by Reed Hoffman. Um, the idea Blitz of scaling. like, you know, growing at every cost. Um, I think that was a very interesting thing. We actually weren't ready for this in terms of our company at the time I read it, um, but we'll revisit. Uh, I think The Platform Effect is a good book too. Is that what that one's called? Platform Scale. Platform Scale, yeah. Um, and then How to Build a Billion Dollar App, I think was the really good one for me. And that followed the group that basically made the Uber of the UK. And like they had heavy conversations about team in that one, where I think those lessons have really guided my efforts at, you know, constructing solid teams at lineup. Cool. And we're going on an hour. So I know you guys are both extremely busy and that's the time we have blocked out. Um, I just have one more question and this is kind of the question I see myself kind of ending on, I guess, for most of these interviews that I'm going to be doing. I'm still new to this, still kind of learning. So, um, but the question is, um, what advice would you give to a smart driven college student about to enter the quote unquote real world? And more importantly, which advice would you ignore? Hmm. And that is a Tim Ferriss question, just for reference. Okay, sorry. Sort of, am I going or JP, do you want to go? Whatever one wants to go first. Yeah, it's not a competition, guys. My advice is going to be tough because I'm going to tell you I've always been very entrepreneurial. I mean, as JP has, but it's hard to think about stepping into the real world without the thought of me going to be my do my own entrepreneurial thing so yeah. like as a student that's about to graduate from SIU or, or I guess wherever for that matter I mean I think the biggest element is you have to to really focus on your craft and that could be either you're a teacher and you're going to teach you're going to teach well or you're going to be a coal miner and you're going to do a good job there but I think it's incredibly important to um to focus on your craft and your product and that is something that is not just entrepreneurial specific. Um, right. I think about 
when I was in third grade, my dad hates his story. I wrote a really sloppy paper, online paper. He erased the whole thing before he proofread it because he said it was not good enough for him to, to read yet because it was sloppy. And I think about even when I go to the live events today and I do a zip tie or something and I leave the tail off and I turn around and take three steps, I go, I've got to go do it. Right. So I think that's people, if people did that, they would not believe how it would change the world. Because also yeah. education, if you think about it, has has actually kind of become dated. You know, this pandemic has proven that. Like there are things that are now adapting. And I think that if our educators, if our workers just work on their product, um, everything else could change. I also think uh, don't be complacent. Um, the quote I have for you is complacency is my enemy. The tragedy of life is often not our in our failure but rather in our complacency, not in our doing too much, but rather in our doing too little, not in our living above our ability, but rather in living below our capabilities. So as a graduate, don't be complacent, shoot for the stars in whatever you do. Yeah. I think, I think I struggle with that coming back to school. Um, it was like, man, why, why am I doing this? Cause like information is, completely abundant and like I can learn from some of the people that are best on business at the internet but like I think the small business development center was really like a sanctuary for me where like I can actually come here and practice my craft and someone actually pays me to get better at my discipline while I'm here and and that was that was kind of the the yeah let's let's go that route mentality for me yeah and it's so hard because it's it's great to say about complacency and, and all these things, but everybody has days, seasons. There's seasons of complacency in my life that drive me nuts. I'm like, I get mad about it. So um, I think everybody just you can try hard and do your best. Cool. <laughs> JP, you got anything to add? Um, I probably should have went first because I felt like that was a good ending to that. Um, Go for it, man. Get a better one. Yeah. yeah not not competition or anything. Not <laughs> No. You could end with freestyling, JP, if you wanted. I could. Oh, JP, you freestyle? Bro, I'm famous. You on made rap, rap chat. chat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I mean, honestly, Kyle Harfs, who used to work at SBDC um, in the research park, you know, told me at one point whenever I came up with, or whenever I had the opportunity to go with rap chat, you know, and that was like no pay, equity only. And this was before it was really anything before we got to Silicon Valley. Like, you know, it comes up that like, I went to Silicon Valley with rap chat, but the idea is that we were grinding for months before that, like where it was no pay, it was equity. I couldn't afford internet in my house. So I had to work at the Murdale McDonald's, you know, like it's crazy. Like, yeah. The, the thing I like remember most though, is he was like, if you go back in 10 years and you look back, you know, if you had the same opportunity, would you do it at 30, you know, and 40? And the reality is like now when I have a salary and, you know, I don't know if I could completely uproot my life again, like I could at 21 and 22, you know, yeah. like I lived on a couch in Silicon Valley, like me and the two founders, like two bedroom, one bath, $3,000 a month. We had cardboard furniture, like, we struggled, but we were living the startup dream, you know? Yeah. And like that set me up, I think in terms of like myself now where 
if I wouldn't have taken that risk and done that, then I don't know if I would do it again. Yeah. Um, so, you know, definitely at that age of like being in college and not having too many responsibilities where like, you know, if you grind, you can get out of debt in your twenties, you know, like yeah. as long as you're not racking it up super hard. Like I, I have like, I had 10 grand in credit card debt from California, you know, like food trucks are expensive I bet. for the most part. Um, yeah. But it's really just like, I mean, I, I posted that on Facebook not too long ago, but like you have to believe in yourself, you know, and like you have to believe in what you want and what you're fully capable of and like take those risks in order to do it. Yeah. So like and me I think- and Matt joked about this the other day, but it's like our main purpose, like we want to build a dome over Crab Orchard, you know? Okay. I mean, yes, that was a conversation. We are going to do it one day. Don't worry. Okay. I think I'm ready for it. What you said about what you want and then go for it is like, it's also, you got to look at, this is not underplaying parents or like people that want to graduate and get a full-time job and have a family. I mean, all of that is whatever the person wants, their desires in that season, and then being able to take steps for it and towards it. I mean, that's what it's about at the end of the day because we all i mean everybody's journey of, of life goes the same direction you know it's so you have to make the most for what makes you happy i think and um you know i don't think people should everybody needs to realize every human being is different and what one person really values which might be a family with kids another person wants to be grinding in a shop you know on a startup and neither one makes anything better as long as you do your do what you do well and you enjoy it so so both of you yeah coming from starting out really humbling like you start this business in an attic and then jeremy you're sleeping on a couch with this company living the silicon valley dream like like the mindset I'm, I'm sure the mindset and correct me if I'm wrong is never like, Oh, this sucks. Like, how am I getting out of here? It, like, I'm sure you guys were both so enthralled in what you were doing that you just like didn't care at that point. Yeah. There are days. Uh, I'm sure. And I also think there's a level of, at least for me personally in my entrepreneurial journey is like, I want to be content with where I'm at. Like, so I don't want to be complacent, but I do want to have the content, like the contentness where I don't feel paranoid and as an entrepreneur and a goal setter or somebody trying to 10x, it's hard to, it's hard to be content and still be striving for stuff that you don't have yet. So like, um, you know, that is, that is like a, a battle on daily is like, I am content. I'm happy with where we're at. I always doubt our team is great. The company is doing big things, but I am not complacent. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, that's a, a big factor. Well, gratitude aspect. Well, guys, this was amazing. I can't thank you guys enough for being on and good luck to all your future endeavors. Uh, real quick, if people want to see what you have going on, like what it, like what are the, where you guys found on social media? Where can they follow you at? Sure. Ultimate Gaming Championship on Facebook, uh, at UGC Events on Twitter. Um, we have uh, UGC.GG and UGCEsports.GG. Those are going to be one and the same at one point in time. So one of those sites actually explains about the company and the other site is our online technology um, that is innovating the game. So if you want to check it out, ugcesports.gg. Cool. Absolutely. And if you guys want an app as cool as UGC, check out my consulting company, packerlabs.com. 
it's a nice little 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 cherry on the top you put it on there you have to right of course all right i think that's where we should end that's good enough yeah really appreciate it (laughs) yeah no problem guys anytime and uh i'm sure we'll keep in touch and we'll talk soon absolutely thanks for the opportunity dude yeah no problem guys have a good one yeah see ya bye